And welcome back to Bleeding Blue, a New York Football Giants history podcast, history show. As always, a great friend, a wonderful person, a, re- a really great person. I-, I was talking glowingly about you this week to my friends about just like Snacks is generally one of the best people that I've ever met in my entire life. He's so caring. He's willing to do anything for everybody. So as always, my one of my best friends, Nikki Snacks, is here. I am also an even great person myself, Justin Penkin. We are here. This is a show where we talk about the New York Football Giants and its wonderful history. Snacks, how are you doing? <laughs> Penkin, I am doing great. And it's so it's so relieving to me that you're calling yourself Penkin because that's who you are. You're mm-hmm. not, you know, Justin Penk Penick is a legend. He is. But I don't think he's a bigger legend than Justin Penkin. No, Justin Penkin is a regular season ticket holder of section 315. Seats 13, 14, um, row 16, according to Zach Rosenblatt on NJ.com. Great friend um, of the show. Great friend of the program. Um, of the channel, I should of say. The cha- of the channel. Um, well, we, we are all one. Talking Giants Bleeding Blue is one. Um, yeah, so according to him, according, <laughs> disagree. according to him, yes, I, Justin Penkin is that. And it's it's funny. That's one of his very, 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 very few mistakes that i've ever seen he is a phenomenal writer but let's not get into zach he's a good guy he's done some good things for us great interviewer everything like that but that's not what we're here about i'm doing great phenomenally okay the hair i did the hair woke up from two phenomenal naps sorry afternoon did the hair for you guys and we're ready to rock and roll and justin i know you had you kind of had a little bit of a wild friday night right yeah, went to Rutgers. My friends peer pressured me to eat multiple different things at various bars. I'm not a drinker, so Snacks did his hair after his naps. I kept my neck beard, and I have a pimple right here because I love everyone. Because honestly, you know, if I looked good, I, w- I would be upstaging Snacks, and I guess that's just not fair. So Snacks, what we're getting mm. to in today, that's what we're point. getting to today, we're going back to Tom Coughlin's book, A Team to Believe in. Now, A Team to Believe in is Tom Coughlin's like, less popular book. I'm sure not a lot of people knew that Tom Coughlin had a second book. His first book was called Earn the Right to Win, correct? Correct. So that's his, first, that's his more well-known book where he's talking about being a leader. You know, He's talking about not just earning the right to win, but also Tom Coughlin's talking about this is how I win because he is a winner. So that's his more popular book. He, he won on center stage with Michael Kay, but that's not the book that we're going to be talking about. Snacks found this book, A Team to Believe in, read it a long time ago. We're bringing it back to life, and it's about the 2007 Giants, the greatest franchise season in franchise history. Probably said that wrong. The greatest season in franchise history is the correct way to say that. That's much better. So the last time that we talked, and we did draft month, we had a whole draft month, but so it's it. been about a month when we killed it, capped it off with that LPG interview. So we left it for a little while. We're coming back to it. The last thing that we talked about was the Miami game in London, where Eli Manning had the slowest like 13-yard touchdown run in NFL history. Pretty sure Next Gen tracked it, um, <laughs> tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, we're going to be skipping the 
latter to middle part of the regular season. And the last, we're going to be talking about the last three games of the 2007 NFL season, uh, Giants NFL season this episode. All meaningful games in their right, their right mind. All of which led to something more powerful that we know is the conclusion of the end. Yes. So if you don't mind, do you want me to tell you where we're going to start? Let's tell us where, tell us where we are going to be in. Okay, because I have it right in front of me. So we're going to start, uh, I believe this is week, what, 15? Yes. Right? Against Washington. And the way Coughlin describes it, and he's right, is they win, they're in the playoffs. Even after some disastrous losses, um, being, you know, going on that winning streak and being, what, six and two? Yep. Uh, so they have a chance against Washington. And at the time, Jason Campbell was the Washington Redskins starting quarterback who we beat in week three on the goal line stand and everything. Uh, but he was not playing. He was not playing this week. They were playing Todd Collins, who I don't know if you remember Todd Collins, but was a career backup. He was a career shit quarterback. He was career terrible. Any relation to uh, any relation to Kerry? No relation to Kerry. No relation. Trust me. If Todd Collins was related to Kerry Collins, there would be big problems because Todd Collins would have thrown that game because Kerry Collins is a lifelong giant, should be in the ring of honor for how great Kerry Collins was. As you know, how much I love Kerry Collins. Um, But before that, Going into the game, um, and like I, you know, like I, I, I told you before, I think I've said it while we read the Coffin book. I've read this in the past numerous times, but I always forget all these little things that come about in these chapters. And um, reading it this past week, reading the chapters that we were going to do, I totally forgot that David Tyree's mother passed away tragically. Before, uh, I think it was the Wednesday before the game. Yeah, and. Um, you all know David Tyree's name for what he did in the catch and everything, but David Tyree was, he was an integral player to, for that, for that giants team, a phenomenal special teams player. Uh, he, he got some receiving work and everything, but he was a pro bowl special team player. And this part really kills me because Coughlin is running a team meeting and Charles way, um, who was, you know, they're, player, personnel, director, yeah. whatever he was, went out to Coughlin and said, listen, David's mother just tragically passed away and David's wife wants to be the one to tell him. So David's wife's going to come here and tell him. But Coughlin has a team meeting in five minutes. So Coughlin talks about having the team meeting while trying to get his message across, mm-hmm. but holding back tears and, a, and you know, and an emotional heart and knowing what's going on and what's about to hit this team and what's about to hit David. Um, so it, it, it's very, especially happy mother's day too, by the way, that's, I mean, that's kind of a plug right there. I hope you guys had a great mother's day yesterday. I hope you filled your mothers with love and joy and the respect that they deserve. Cause they should be celebrated every day, not just one day uh, on a Sunday in May. Um, but so David's wife comes, he tells him and David is, uncontrollably crying or I'm, I'm sorry, sobbing uncontrollably and in absolute shock, a turn of events that he never saw coming and is brutal. And so, so does she, does she tell them, tell him while everybody's in the meeting or is he like, I'm sure he's pulled aside. No, David is pulled aside. Uh, when the meeting is over, many of us walk outside the room. David is sitting in a chair by the elevators. 
and can't hold back his emotions. So he was definitely outside the room. Um, his wife definitely brought him over, sat him down and like, listen, this is what happened. Um, and it, it really is. It, it's awful. And I wanted to bring that up because I do forget that. And it kind of just adds to the lore of David Tyree's season yeah. and what happens later on, which we will talk about next week. But it really is. It, it just brings everything into perspective that this is just football and life is life is a lot more than that. And you can never right. expect something that that happens like that. Um, but also it, it still strengthens the notion that this season was just magic. Exactly. And how, and how this season finished for the Giants and even David Tyree too. you know, the whole we, we already think it's magic that just David Tyree on the football field the week before the Super Bowl couldn't catch anything. But yet he catches, uh, you know, the second most important touchdown in that game and the most important catch in Super Bowl history, you know, and then add that to the allure of now his, you know, his mother, unfortunately, passed away later in the regular season. I think you want to talk about something about the, you know, I'm sure the team rallied around him and wanted to win that game that Sunday for him, obviously against Washington, uh, they stunk. And it was honestly, I've been going to giants games since 2007, 2007 was the first year that I went. And I still consider that game, one of the worst games I've ever been to just in terms of how the giants played and how it went down. And it was also Sunday night football, um, which I don't know why makes it even worse. Yeah. I, I hope, I hope that game wasn't flexed because of how good the first game was. I hope they kind of just had it on the schedule or <laughs> because that was just so, so bad. But nevertheless, it adds to the allure of the season and how it just finished. And the New York football giants in 2007, you could not have written a more better movie script. Yeah. And then 2011 was just an awesome sequel. That's such a, that is, wow. You have never put it like that. And that is so so perfectly done we should write a movie script about this maybe that's bleeding blues next project no there's no need to write a movie script it's already written well i understand that but i actually put it into a movie because this this is unbelievable and people forget too this is the game jeremy shockey broke his fibula yes jeremy shockey broke his fibula and jeremy shockey was having a good year that he's one of their biggest targets you know second biggest target outside of outside of plexico and this game in itself was a disaster because of the uh, you were there you said because of the weather conditions which were what 20 to 30 mile per hour winds during the game and it was and, 26 so it was it's 36 degrees heading into the game but it was 26 degrees wind chill and it it was the wind it was the wind that really really made it bad and i have this in my brain and i could be wrong um but i had it in my brain that it snowed recently and there was still ice like below your feet so you're just sitting on ice and it's windy as hell. It's night. You don't have the sun and it's 26 degree wind chill. Um, so it was just, you know, we've had more brutal weather games at, at, at Giants Stadium, especially Giants Stadium. You know, MetLife, for whatever reason, isn't as windy as Giants Stadium, even though they're right next to each other. But that game, was, and especially because of how bad it is, it was just yeah. such a bad fall. Eli went 18 for 53. Say it again. <laughs> 18 completions on 53 attempts. Brandon Jacobs Is that even over, possible? Brandon Jacobs had over 130 yards. He um, did. Which, he also, he also, as Coughlin mentions, he also had five drops. Brandon Jacobs had five drops. There was there was 12 drops in total that game. Five oh of them came God. from Jacobs. Let's see. Do, do they do they have drops down? Um, no. I mean, they, well, here we can just go through targets. Oh there yeah, Brandon Jacobs was targeted 11 times. Had yeah. three catches. Plaxico Burris was targeted 13 times, had three catches. Um, and then Sonor- Sonoris Moss was targeted eight, 
eight times, had five catches, 53 yards. I, I, I guarantee that's Sonoris Moss's best game of his career. Yeah, well, that's that's not really you're not really comparing many games to it. Wait, so. wait, wait. Damani Toomer had nine targets for zero catches. Okay, so so <laughs> r- real quick, I know I know there's there was like two Viking Vikings games where Eli threw like three pick sixes. Yeah. But can we can we say this is the worst game Eli ever played? No. I no. In a win and in. No, 18 did, for 53? No, because it, it was the weather conditions. Um, oh, blow me with the fucking weather conditions. They drafted was, him because his arm was strong enough to play in the Meadowlands wind. There was, anyway. there was just something, and I'll tell you, there was just something off about that game. There was something off. Well, maybe maybe they were all still emotional. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not a joke. You guys know, I, I joke and I play around. Maybe that was what happened with David Tyree was just an emotional hit a few days before the game. And that's one of your brothers that's heartbroken and is going to miss two games. Like that has to wear on you a little bit, Yeah. but either way they got, they got the piss pounded out of them by Washington. And I, I love this. I love this line from Coughlin. Our season hangs in the balance. What do I say to the players? Are you talking about after the loss? How do I react? How do I react after a poor performance with so much on the line? I'm disappointed. This game at home against a team without its starting quarterback was our best chance to seal a playoff spot, and we let it go. In past years, and this is this is my favorite part because we have talked about his transformation as a coach and as, as a human being to, to re, you know, relating to his players. Um, in the past years, I would have exploded, but this year is different. This year, I need to be different. In a calm but authoritative voice, I lay out this, the team what we have to do, and that's we have to go on the road and beat Buffalo, and we're still in the playoffs. There you go. So – a quick rebound after a miserable loss. Coughlin sticks true to his new-natured personality and keeps the team ready to go, as opposed to just ripping him and going full-blown pre-2007 Coughlin. Yeah. So they were 9-4 and four heading into the game. They're 9-5 and five heading out. They have one game that they have to win. Um, they lost that Washington game 22-10. to 10. They head into Buffalo. They went 38-21, to 21, and they clinch a playoff berth in a fashion at which we already – no, of Ahmad Bradshaw running, uh, capping off an 88 yard, uh, 88 yard rushing TD in the fourth quarter in the in the rain in the sleet, um, breaks a tackle in the middle of the field. Plaxico Burris has a nice block on a cornerback, which the cornerback trips, which therefore leads Bradshaw run to the touch run for a touchdown. 88 yards was the longest rushing play of that 2007 season, at least as of week 16. And I would like to think that let's just say that it is the longest rushing play of the season because nobody had a longer rushing play than that week 17. So, um, and also my favorite memory from that Bradshaw run is the NY on his helmet, the emblem on his helmet gets like ripped off and he's running without it on. He's, he's chugging along. He's chugging along. Um, that was you. I'm actually going to put something side to side right now. Uh Oh, I actually, the way that I run in my 40 yard dash. Oh boy. I said, run, said, said, run like a mod Bradshaw because he almost ran like he had two left feet. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but he runs hard. He runs like, duh, 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 duh. so he puts more of a, he like pushes more off of his like left leg because he, because <laughs> he like runs weird. It's not like balanced. He just yeah. runs like a maniac. <laughs> so when I did my 40 yard dash for Manscaped, I said, run like Ahmad Bradshaw, don't run normal. And then it looked weird because 
I, I'm not an NFL running back. Um, <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not five, six, 200 pounds built muscle, like a, like a, like a rock, no. like a mod Bradshaw. That is actually very funny. Please. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to watch this with you guys and see that side to side. I need to find like a good clip of Bradshaw where he's like really doing that. And I, I don't think it's going to be that hard. Yeah. Um, but also the Giants had 291 rushing yards that uh, this game. I, uh, I, that- I I did want to bring that up real quick. Oh. I'm glad you said that because um, they only threw the ball three times in the second half <laughs> because the weather back-to-back games, the weather was terrible. Uh, as Coughlin says, driving rain, sleet, ice, snow, 50 miles per hour, wind gust. It is some of the craziest weather I've ever experienced during game at kickoff. It is 52 degrees, but the temperature drops to the low thirties midway through. It feels like the ice and sleet are coming from the ground and not from the sky. The wind is ferocious that both teams can only throw the ball in one direction. That's wild. I just they can't ran- believe, I can't believe that it was 50 degrees at kickoff and then it dropped down. And then the it dropped. Midway. Right. Right. And they threw the ball three times in the second half. And the score is not, I don't think the score is um, an indicate of what the game actually was. No, because that was a close game. The Giants were losing and they came back. They came back to win, and then Kabika Mitchell, which I think you want to talk about right now, so you can go do that. Yeah, it was 21-17 at the end of three. The Giants ripped off 21 points in the fourth quarter, capped off with just like a kind of like a game ceiling, like this is officially over, um, pick six by Corey Webster. But I have a little bit of a theory. So Kavika Mitchell has a pick six in this game off of a pass deflection. Now, it's a good play. He finds his way to the end zone, but he also did some pretty cool things as well. Six combined tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss, QB hits, two sacks, which is also pretty, pretty neat, pretty cool. In a game where there wasn't a lot of passing going on, he did have two sacks. Um, he also had the uh, he had a pass deflection as well. So he had a, he added a pass deflection himself. I have a theory. You know how JT Thomas had a really good game against the Giants when Jacksonville shut the Giants out in like 2014. And then we, it was in 2013 or 2020. 20, yeah. And that's why we signed because JT Thomas had a really good game against the Giants, even though he wasn't that good of a player. Mm-hmm. Now, Kavika Mitchell had a really good season, but which team did Kavika Mitchell go to the next season after he played for the Giants in 07? Didn't he go to Buffalo? He went to Buffalo. Went to Buffalo. Yeah. So that's, that's my theory that <laughs> he had a really good game. And the Bills were like, oh, we got to, we got to throw this guy some money. He, he killed us. He killed us when we played him during the regular season. Like that. The JT, the, the JT Thomas uh, Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. So to yeah. say, even though that came after. Right. And that, then, and it didn't really work out for Buffalo either um, because he played a total of a, uh, um, no, I mean, he, he had one good season. Where he played 15 games, had 82 tackles, four four sacks. Which you know, it, it was it, it was about what he did in 2007 for New York. But then after that, he played five games, and uh, I, I think he struggled with some injuries. But Kavika Mitchell, um, you know, we say Bradshaw gets the game ball on offense. So I say Kavika Mitchell gets the game ball on defense, and he basically kind of set himself up for getting a, a probably a pretty solid contract with Buffalo because he played well against Buffalo. Right, I, so there I, you they, go. They see it firsthand, and a lot of these teams. I mean, I. I we don't really know from experience. We don't study other teams like that, but the giants are definitely a victim of that. Like you said, with JT Thomas, you have a good game against them. Okay. I know what this guy could do. Let's give him some money. That's an area of weakness. Let's go sign him. We know exactly what he did in front of our eyes. Boom, boom, boom. Um, but that Mitchell and Jabril Wilson, and I think Reggie Torbor too, all free agents that cashed in on good playoff or, or late season and playoff runs and a super bowl, that got them good contracts and never did anything after that. 
Um, but shout out to them, Super Bowl champions. They were all integral in helping us win our third Lombardi trophy at the time. Um, but you know what comes after Buffalo, right? The Giants are in. So the yeah. Giants beat Buffalo. They're in. They're in. You know what comes next. The greatest football game that I have ever attended in my entire life and that I've ever seen. And, and the, the, so not only that I've now it's biased because when you attend, when you watch a game live and it's a good game, I feel like it's automatically bumped up a few bonus points and a few brownie points, yeah. but the greatest football game that I have ever seen from start to finish where I have been the most entertained, nothing was on the line, but at the same time, everything was on the line. And that is week 17, New England Patriots, defeat the New York football giants 38 to 35 to go 16 and 0 and become the first undefeated team to go 16 and 0 first team ever to go undefeated during the regular season 16 and 0 regular season 16 and 0 and the big hot topic of the week was the giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were already locked in to play week uh, in the wild card they were locked in the giants had nothing to play for at all literally nothing there was no seeding. There was nothing. There's nobody that could lose. There's nothing the Giants could do. Nothing. It was Giants, Buccaneers, wildcard weekend. And Coughlin, the, the hot topic was, is Coughlin going to play his starters? Is he going to go play to win the game? Or is he going to let New England go 16-0 in Giants Stadium under his watch? And Coughlin vigorously says, I preach the, to these guys to finish and play every snap as hard as you possibly can. So how am I going to go there and tell them that you guys are sitting and you're not going to play as hard as you possibly can on every snap? So Coughlin plays his starters. And I mean, I, I got I got some tidbits in here, like before the game, like that they're talking. Um, it was a Saturday game, too, if you remember correctly. Yes, I, th- I think they had to change it. If I had to guess, they didn't just make that game a Saturday game. They may have, I, I think it was really. I, I no, they, he didn't. He didn't bring that up, but they, he does mention that it was the first time in in um in TV uh, broadcasting of NFL history that two networks shared the same game. Yeah, I mean they had to because if if they just had this game as a one o'clock game, but also I mean it's week seventeen. So odds yeah. are there was another like Sunday night football, Monday night football game. I don't know if they, I don't, they usually don't have Monday night football. They don't have Monday night, yeah, no. But you know, Sunday night, there was another primetime game that was like for the division because usually what the NFL does is they make the divisional games week 17. So there had to be another game, another primetime game that meant that or, you know, arguably for playoffs sake meant more than this football game. Yeah, no, I mean, with, without a doubt. And, my my favorite part about this is in, in one of the little tidbits in here, and he goes on to talk about his family about this. But that was Christmas week. Yes, it was. They practiced on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah, December 29th was the game. Yes, there you go. Boom. So the game against New England is on a Saturday night. So we have one less preparation day during the week. That means Christmas Eve and Christmas will have to be work days for the coaches and the players. I already have discussed the matter with the veterans and the leadership council, explaining my reasoning about why we must work on Christmas Day. We did set the schedule. We did set the schedule so meetings wouldn't start until early afternoon. And then he goes back, "Merry fucking Christmas." He doesn't actually use the word "fucking." He uses like a, you know, like a money sign, yeah, percentage sign, like doing like that. "Merry fucking Christmas" is the players' Tuesday greeting for me when I start <laughs> the team meeting. A stunt orchestrated by Antonio Pierce. Uh, they, they were locked in. They yeah. all want. They all wanted to play that game and. And the fact that Coughlin is the leader he was and was like, listen, we're not, we're not bowing down. John Gruden um, 
Coughlin mentions in here, John Gruden, then the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we were playing in the wildcard game, they were locked in for two weeks. John Gruden benched his starters for two weeks leading up to the wildcard game. Two weeks. And Coughlin played all of his starters that last game. That 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 has you know so so again this is a whole thing of we've had this conversation before I'm not going to talk we're not going to go long about it but momentum in sports momentum is a, in sports is a thing and you know you're you're gaining momentum but what what in their psyches and I'm sure it starts with Coughlin it starts with Coughlin setting he's the, that tone yeah, he's, he's the ringmaster but yeah. like what in their psyches just want like. I want to go out and I want to beat this team. You know, maybe, maybe it was that they just genuinely, they wanted to be the team that caused this team to go 15 and one. But, you know, even, even like during the game where, you know, they're playing them tough and, you know, there's a couple points where the Patriots get out to a lead and, you know, giants get out to a lead at first and then they bring it back down and the Patriots get out to a lead. They didn't, they didn't take their foot off the accelerator. So what is like the psyche of a team that, you know, they've been through so much as a team compared to, you know, going back to especially 2006 and, you know, having Tiki Barber talk shit about them and him retiring and Coughlin was going to be fired after the, after the 06 season, you know, after week three of the 07 season, you know, and, and there's just turmoil in the locker room with the veterans, you know, clashing with each other, whatever, you know, uh, Plaxico Burst clashing with some, uh, with Michael Strahan and whatnot, especially after that Tennessee game in 06. So oh. this is a football team that has been through a lot together and, the game that is meaningless and the game that which they can take their foot off the accelerator. Oh, we did it. We got to our goal of making the postseason, the playoffs when nobody even expected us to do that in the first place. What is like the thing that causes them to play the greatest football team of all time, toe to toe. So well, like I, 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 you can't explain it. No, you really can't. And I know there's, there's video of Michael Strahan and I know it's in America's game that, um, on the Bleeding Blue Twitter account, that we we, we tweet a lot of clips from the, uh, America's Game, which is the greatest cinematical um, movie ever created. And he says, he goes, they're in the playoffs. Why why aren't they resting their starters? The Giants are in the playoffs. They ain't got nothing to play for. Rest their guys so they don't be hurt. They're in the playoffs too. Why why ain't they got sitting on the field? We're in a playoffs too. And he talks about it like that. So I, the pride and I guess, you know what? At the end of the day, I think it does, it comes back to Coughlin and the message that he instilled in this team this year. It was this year. This was the year. This is it. The first three years before that were completely hardship, dictatorship run teams by Coughlin. But this was the year they, re- I, to me, from reading the book and from what we've talked about, they really bought in. So that game must have meant something to them. Yeah. You know, they were embarrassed their last home game against Washington. A win and in, they were embarrassed by their division rival. Then you go to Buffalo and you, you, you beat the piss out of Buffalo in the fourth quarter. And then you have a chance to stop history. Yeah. Like you're, you, you, at that time, you're not expecting to go see them in the Super Bowl. Like this is our chance now. They knew that team. They had something to them. They had that moxie. They had that chemistry. They had that, they had that, they had that it factor, that whole team that had that it factor. So like Michael Strahan says in, in the, in the pregame pump up speech, why not us? Yeah. Why, why not, not us? us? And I and think that I, is, in, in America's game, I think they show a newspaper like 
rolling around Giants Stadium before the game or something like that. And all the way news, in the parking lot on the outside, yes. And I think the you know the new the headline you know I'll, I'll try to find it and I'll put it in, but I think the headline says something along the lines of like "Why not us?" and that exact line, whatnot. So real, snacks, well, real what quick, was the, uh, hold yeah. on, real quick, real quick on the "Why not us" part. Uh, I love this blurb from from the from Coughlin. The night prior to the game, our video staff shows the team shows the team great plays from the Buffalo win, but they add meaning last week, but they add something else. They show clips from 1998 when a 13-0 Denver Broncos team came into New York and lost to the Giants late in the season. The montage is preceded by the by the words, in quotes, why not us? Oh, I love it. I love so just it. what we're talking about, and then yeah. we go right into that. What do you why think not li- us? What do you think the line was for this game? Oh, boy. I, I, I swear to God, I have no idea. Um, I will say 11 and a half. Pretty close, 13 and a half. Wow! Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. First of all, so the giant, the Giants being home gives them three points. So that line is really sixteen and a half. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And um, we lost by three, and we should have fucking won that game too. Yeah, and the and the overhead. So the attendance this game was, and this is according to Pro Football Reference, seventy nine thousand one hundred ten. Uh, capacity for Old Giant Stadium was eighty thousand two hundred. And 42. So it was, it was that capacity. And, and you can compare this to the Washington game, which was also a Sunday night football game. Um, that was 77,000 that was filled. So this was at capacity. So I was at this game. So I'll, I'm going to talk about the environment. Yeah, I want to hear this. I've never been to a, a better just overall environment because usually, you know, fo- football is such a sport that is you live and die with every game because you have to, you, you have to. You know, only and, 16 of them a year and ba- baseball. You have to sometimes talk yourself into like, Oh, you know, this game means a lot. Or sometimes you talk yourself too much into it where it's like, you know what? It's 162 game season. No football. You live and die with every single play, every single game. And this was not one of those games. This wasn't because, you know, because both teams were in, you know? So this was one of the, this was just one of those games where you saw somebody in a Patriots cap and there was a relatively good amount of Patriots fans there, but there was still, you know, it was mostly Giants fans, especially considering this is old Giants stadium and you have regular season ticket holders and, you know, so there it's old Giants. And so the majority of, of fans that are there that are Giants, that are Giants fans, but even you see a Patriots fan, you know, and you were just like nudging them the whole game. You know, even before the game, you're like, oh man, this is going to be, this could be like really cool. Cause not only did you have, you know, Patriots going 16 and 0, I believe Tom Brady needed two passing touchdowns to break uh to get to 50 which would have broke broke Peyton's record of 49 and then he needed uh Randy Moss to catch two touchdown passes himself to break Jerry Rice's record I think he needed to get to 23 so as I was re-watching this game by the way I have a little bit of a theory a little bit of a thought I think the Patriots could have beaten the Giants by more if they were not forcing the ball to Randy Moss they were forcing him the ball they're forcing and, records. Oh yeah, they they were they really wanted to get it. Um, and the funny thing is, is that the play before Randy Moss caught that sixty-five yard touchdown, it was like a terrible decision throw to Randy Moss. Tom Brady made some like bananas throws this game, um, but it was like a terrible decision to throw it to Randy Moss. The play before it was like a bad throw. He dropped it. Could have went for a big gain, but then the next play, it's just like all right, we're just gonna throw a streak to you, and it was sixty-five yards, and that was um. And that was the record. And you could hear the crowd, the crowd erupts. 
And they knew it. They knew. You know, it. I don't know if you know. Largely, I'm sure it's a lot of Patriots fans and they're celebrating, but also we just saw NFL history, um, and also just a shock. I'm sure there was just general shock about, wow, you know, we just we just saw NFL record. So every single part of that game was just so perfect. Besides Eli Manning throwing that interception with nine minutes to go to Ellis Hobbs on that on that left sideline, every single part of that game was perfect. Because let's just face it, offense is more fun in the NFL. Scoring points and going back and forth is a lot more fun. But there was still a good balance of defense too, where there were just you know two very good defenses and two very good defensive teams were going at it. But you also had two pretty good quarterbacks going at it going at it with each other too. Tom Brady was just electric. Eli was perfect. Every single part of that game in every single position group was just perfect, perfect, perfect. It was perfect football. And I've said perfect 75 times, but that is the way that I just described this game. It was, a, it was like a three-hour game. It was not too long. It wasn't too short. It, it was beautiful. And it was good weather. It was cold, but not like that Washington disaster of a game that that, that was. So awesome game. Yeah, you know what? I, I You were there, and I, I'm so happy you were able to kind of – give us the you know the aura of what that game was and the atmosphere it was and um it, it's very funny because yeah. it, 38 35 is a high scoring game but and there were big plays they're big chunk plays like dominic yeah. hickson had I mean, a kick start, return yeah oh well yeah so so to start the game plaxico burrs had like that 40 50 yard post second play second ran. play of the game 52 S- yard put yeah second play of the game and what was really cool about that game is not this isn't like a game where the Giants came back, where the Patriots were leading and then they broke all those records and then they were just, they were just dogging it. No, Giants were winning and they were producing some big plays. So there would at first, I think maybe to start the game, we're just like, ah, eh, we're here. If something happens, great. But then it starts to happen and you're like, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in, let's do this. And let's, let's root. Let's, let's, let's make something happen here. So that energy with everybody was just so awesome. And again, we've, you've never, you never have this, you never have this where, you know, you're just nudging complete strangers who are wearing another hat who are, you know, if you're wearing another hat, if you're wearing another logo, you might as well be fucking dead to me usually in a, in a normal game. Right. But no, this game was just like, Oh man, Oh man, we're coming. We're coming after you. And then guess what? They would score and they would nudge you and you wouldn't punch them in the mouth. So it was just so, so fun. Especially and, and when did we, when have the Giants done anything good besides if your name is David Wilson? When have the Giants done anything good on special teams? And it was a bad kick, by the way. It was like a 75 yard kick, kick return. But it was Dominic, 74, 74 yard kick return. Yeah. When have That's we done anything good on, when have we done anything good on special teams? Willie Ponder, now, Willie Ponder in 2005 against the Steelers. That's like, the only thing I can remember and Ron Dixon. and before I remember I was just going to say Ron Dixon that's it but you're so and you're so right and it's so funny to me because you're probably walking out of that stadium like all right we're going to the playoffs and we just went toe-to-toe with yep. probably the best football team that's ever been assembled and we had a very fair chance to win that game so who can't we beat we can't go to on the road to Tampa we can't go on the road to Dallas. We can't go on the road to Green Bay. We could beat these people. Yeah. And obviously we did. And it's so funny to me because had we won that game and then won the Super Bowl, obviously because it, it was the undefeated and that's when we beat them, not even remotely close to as special as it was. No. no. So it, it is, in a sense, like you said, I think you tweeted from the Bleeding Blue account today, one of the greatest regular season giant games of all time. Win or lose, 
one of the greatest of all time. And it is because we won the Super Bowl. You know, if the of, Giants, well, course, if the Giants lose the Super Bowl, then it's it means not as nothing. Good, right. Then it means nothing. Correct. It still is a great game, but um, it a is great just, fo- a great football game in yeah. itself. But, you know, I, I think I'm I, I'm a guy, you know, I, I like analytics. I like numbers. So you sometimes do. I like to talk about things that nobody else is talking about because that's what analytics people have a reputation to do. This guy isn't as good as you think, or this guy is better than you think, right? I'm here to tell you that and this isn't even an, an analytics take. I'm not even citing anything like that. But I'm here to tell you that that week 17, to that, and I know a lot of people agree with me, but 2007, week 17, game against the Patriots at home where it was a loss, is one of the greatest games from start to finish in franchise history. I'm 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 saying it. I'm saying it. I I, I don't disagree. I remember it was one of the very few occasions. Um, my me, my parents, my brother, and my my uncle Tony. We went out for for New Year's that year, and we stayed at, at a place, and um, it was right around New Year's, and we were watching in a hotel, and just the excitement in the hotel and getting knocks on the door from not security, but like, you know, the bells people or whatever they were like, can you guys quiet down? We're like, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it, it's also, it's one of those things or one of those games where you know exactly where you were, you know, exactly what happened, everything about it. And to me, one of my favorite, my favorite images, my favorite clips, gifts, whatever you call it is when Brady looks at OC and he goes like this and OC goes, Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yep we got you motherfucker we yep. got we, we we're coming we're coming um so that that is beautiful and i'm glad you shared the experience because i was not there and it's very upsetting i wasn't um so there's not many things if you know i'm jealous of but that might be number one because i would have loved to have been in that stadium i probably would have got kicked out in the second quarter but oh either yeah way, you. either way um i want i want to share one one last quick thing before we wrap up and, uh, you know, we, we go back. I was telling you about how Coughlin had the, you know, the media was talking about sitting or, or not sitting the starters. Right. And he didn't sit the starters. They played the whole game. They, they almost won. Um, the next morning, I listened to a voicemail from the legendary coach and broadcaster, John Madden. So I, I, I want to read what John Madden said to Tom Coughlin, if you, uh, if you don't mind. Just called to congratulate you and your team for a great effort last night. Not good, but great. I think it is one of the best things to happen to the NFL in the last 10 years. Mm. And I don't, I not, and I don't know if they all know it, but they should be very grateful to you and your team for what you did. I believe so firmly in this, that there is only one way to play the game and it is a regular season game. And you go out to win the darn game. I could hear him saying darn. Um, I was just so proud being a part of the NFL and what you guys did and the way you did it. You proved that it's a game and there's only one way to play the game and you did it. The NFL needed it. We've gotten too much of, in quotes, well, they're going to rest their players and don't need to win, therefore therefore they won't win, end quote. Well, that's not sports and that's not competition. I'm a little emotional about it. I'm just so proud. It's something we all need to thank you for and I believe the NFL needed that. I'm going to get off the air and cry. That's magical. Could you imagine hearing that voicemail from John Madden after that game? That was magical. I'm I I have I had chills reading it. I had chills reading it. Imagine what Tom Coughlin felt. A football savant, an NFL savant. 
getting that from Hall of Fame John Madden. Man, that real that that may be the greatest that may be the greatest game the Giants have ever played. Yeah, and it was a loss. All right, we will see you next week. We yes. are getting into the playoffs. We're getting into the nitty gritty. Now, we already talked about the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowls earlier in the offseason, so there's a playlist on the Talking Giants YouTube channel. If you want to go back and you want to listen to us talk about all NFC Championship games and all Super Bowls, but especially for the 07 season, go back and do that. So we're really, really, really going to focus on Coffin's perspective from this postseason run, best postseason run in franchise history. So we will see you next week. Keep on bleeding blue and snacks. Here I am. Fuck Tiki Bar.